there everyone listening again. This is Alex here, Dance Artist from Shaper Caper, coming back back again with another podcast. Joined with me today is one of our fabulous body members and also one of the co-chairs of the body, Leslie Howard. Hi everyone. Lovely. We've also got a little cat. Leslie's cat Misty's joined us as well, so I think it's important to shout that out. Today we're doing a podcast based around some training that we've done recently and also based around some conversations we were having during our online LGBTQ plus sessions called the In Out Crowd. And the topic today is intersectionality, tolerance versus acceptance. This is something we've been chatting about a lot within the core team of Shaper Caper and also within the body. So anyone who's not aware of what intersectionality is, we learned this in a training that we did, as I said last week. Intersectionality is, now this is an online definition from the dictionary, so this is what it says. Intersectionality is a theoretical framework for understanding a person's social and political identities. They combine to create unique parts of either discrimination and or privilege. So... If anyone has Googled intersectionality when you, or any other search engine, we're not sponsored by Google, once you press on the images, it comes up with lots of different Venn diagrams. So your nationality is one part of your identity, your sexuality is another, your gender is another, your religion is another. All of these things come together to create intersectional parts of who you are. Some of those things can mean that you have privilege. So for example, I am a white person, so I have white privilege. I also am LGBTQ+, so I might receive discrimination for being LGBTQ+, and vice versa for all these different things. Intersectionality is more important now than ever, particularly with the Black Lives Matter movement, particularly with all of the political issues that we're experiencing just now in this country and across Europe. So I wanted to come together with someone else who intersectionality is really important to them, and that is Leslie. So first of all, Leslie, I wanted to ask you, why do you think intersectionality and acceptance, tolerance, multiculturalism, all of these things, why do you think they are important? Well, for me, a big part of my intersectionality is that I'm disabled and I feel like it's really important part of me I am because I was diagnosed with my disability later in life it kind of helps define who I am and helps me understand why things happen the way they happen in life so for other people I feel like it's just it is like as simple as it is but it's your identity and it's what makes you special and it can be something that is shared that it'll help other people understand you and it also creates like a border for respect. I like that. I like the way you, you see respect that comes into it because that was something we were chatting about on Monday as well as the difference between acceptance and tolerance we feel is respect. And I think particularly just when you said with yourself being disabled, there is so much ableism in society but often people don't even realise. It comes down to the smallest things like someone in my family is a wheelchair user and they were looking to move house and they found this brilliant house that they that they wanted they thought this is the one but they ended up not being able to get it because the light switches were built too high and they didn't have any way of switching lights on and off without great difficulty and that was something that the real estate agent had never even considered so it's even things like that I think if there was more awareness of what different people 
not even so much different people's needs, but just different ways of living, different ways of experiencing your life. It's important that we keep that in mind so that we're not bringing those barriers down to other people. Yeah, I think that is a big thing. Like, there is just different people out there. Like, there's not just cis white males like that exist, as much as that's like bad to say, but there is other different people and it's important that we aren't being ableist against them and that we let those people that represent the different identities speak on behalf of their identity and then we learn and listen from them rather than just put up a fight all the time. Mm. Yeah, you're totally right. A big part, I think, of trying to bring intersectionality and bring equality for want of a better word, and diversity to the forefront, is sometimes if someone's not part of the discussion, they might take accountability as an attack almost. And what I mean by that is, you know, just when you'd said there, something that's not cis white male and worrying that that's bad to say. And, and I wouldn't, I don't think that is bad to say because again, it's just, it's part of what makes up someone's identity. They are cisgender, they are white and they are male. And in the current world we live in, that holds a lot of power. And I think it's important for anyone of any identity to recognise if they are dominating a conversation that they don't have to dominate. For instance, if I had a question about, well, I'm about to go off on a tangent there, but really I think it's more of an education. Like, oh, if I had a question about um, autism, I would come to you, but I don't think I would. I think I would just Google it. <laughs> I would just, I would do my own research. I think that's that's also sometimes the issue is when someone has a question about maybe something that makes up you, like someone might have a question about non-binary issues and they might come to me and I get that quite a lot and I'm like, Google it. <laughs> I'm not your librarian here. You know, you can you can do the research yourself. It's not up to to the individual to do the emotional labour, you know? Yeah, I mean, see, I've never really thought about it in that sense because only speaking on my own experience, I'd rather someone came and asked me because it's so personal and different to me. But then I guess if you're getting asked the same question all the time, yeah, like just Google what non-binary is. But I can't, and that is like, I never actually thought about that before. It's really interesting. Well, I'd also not thought about that before, <laughs> about you having your, your own unique experience and passing that on. I think actually that's also interesting because you might go and Google something, but it might be written by someone who's not actually experiencing the question that you're asking. Do you know, if you have a, a question about, for instance, non-binary issues, but it was written by someone who's cisgender, I would maybe go, well, I don't want to step on your toes. You might be an expert, but actually I love this. So... Hmm. Oh, you're making me think here, Leslie, my goodness, on a Thursday afternoon. Another question I wanted to ask you about is the importance of intersectionality within dance. Why and how do you feel intersectionality plays in the dance world and why you think it's important that we implement that here as well as in wider society? Well, I just think the more, if you get a room of people and they're all the same background, the same identity and everything, like, that's cool but like see the more that you have that are different then the more creativity and uniqueness that they'll bring. I really like working in, in a group with Eleanor and Jay who done the In-N-Out Crowd because they talk about their culture of being LGBTQ and I'm like oh my god wow like this is really cool and there's so much dance styles that form from that 
that's really important to have and it's something that's lacking in Scotland because we are a diverse country but we're not at the same time and it's just about we need to find that yeah I totally agree I think that Scotland is so unique because we have big cities we have we have major cities they're not like a New York City or a Boston or anything but they are they're reasonably sized but you go outside Glasgow for 10 miles, you've hit forests and countrysides and locks and rivers and lakes. So I think sometimes in Scotland, from my perspective, it's easier to feel more disconnected because there could be miles and miles of fields and countrysides before you reach the next town or the next city, as opposed to somewhere like London. You know, you go just outside London, then you have like the smaller cities and then the smaller towns, and it's a little bit more built up. So I, I agree there could be someone... They might be sitting in a meeting room who's never came across someone who's autistic. They've never came across a non-binary person. They've never came across someone from another religion. So if they're then met with that, it could be, oh, I'm, I'm finding this, I don't understand or I don't get it or I, I want to ask questions. And when you get the amount of people in a room, it bodes well to try and get as many different identities as possible. Because even though we've both grown up and did you grow up in Glasgow? or the west of scotland yes aha uh -huh. so we both grew up in larkshire glasgow west of scotland but we have completely different experiences just kind of going off what you were saying about coming across and meeting someone that you haven't met before in life and it is kind of going off what we were talking about with her unconscious bias training about education and it's all right to be like actually i don't know anything about this i've never came across this but it's then what you do with it. Like, I, I don't know about you, but say if I had never known that you were non-binary and I called you the wrong pronoun and then you corrected me, it's then up, it becomes my responsibility to make sure that I don't do that again. It's okay to mess up and learn. It's just how you deal with that and how you take the knowledge that you're given and pass that on. Like Absolutely, yeah. When you said the word of responsibility, that's, that's the key part, I think, because... It's not your fault if you assume someone's gender or you, or you assume someone learns in a certain way. But when they correct you, it is your responsibility to go, okay, they do learn in this way or they are whatever it is that you've assumed or, or not gotten correct. So what are you then going to do to make sure that you don't do that again? You don't put someone in that position because it's very hard for me it's hard to constantly almost come out to people and say yep that's not my pronoun I can only assume and imagine that it would be difficult for you if someone assumes that you learn a certain way or experience things in a certain way and you have to remind them like yeah that's not that's not how it works and I've told you this however many times it can then be really difficult and put the person in quite a vulnerable place when actually I've told you this it's your responsibility to take that and, and move forward a big, a big analogy I use a lot, I find myself, is when I have told someone, I give them, like, I mean, three strikes, that's, that's been a bit generous. I always say, like, do you know if I was in a wheelchair, you wouldn't ask me to get up these stairs, so then why are you asking me to do something that you know that isn't good for me? And I think it's more just because you can't see things. I don't, you can't see someone's gender, so it is important that you don't assume it, but if someone corrects you, then yeah, listen and be nice and responsible for yourself. Yes, just be nice. Just be a nice, nice person. Is it really difficult? <laughs> there was something else we talked about in our unconscious bias training, the, the star phrase of the week, and it was ontological security. Oh, 
I'll let you sit with that for a minute. So ontological security is essentially how secure you are in your own timeline. I hope I'm getting this correct. But essentially someone who is, we'll use the same example we used earlier, cisgender, white and male and straight. They are pretty much going to come across the least amount of discrimination in terms of against race, religion, gender and LGBTQ. Not to say that they can't receive discrimination for other things, but in terms of those things, that's not going to happen. You're in the place of most privilege. If someone believes that there's a binary gender, there's men and there's women, and that's it. And then someone like me comes along and goes, oh, well, actually, I'm non-binary and I use they them pronouns. That sends everything they know into a state of flux. And that's often when you get people like TERFs, the trans-exclusionary radical feminists. You get people that have these extreme views. You get people that are, are so anti-LGBTQ because... That how else would you lash out at someone for just trying to say to you, oh, my pronouns are they, them, and then you get met with a lot of horrible slurs thrown back at you. It's like, that seems a bit unbalanced. But I think that that phrase really makes sense. It's because people have known one thing for their whole life, and now they're met with something new. I don't know what to do with that. So often we talk about, well, let's push for tolerance and let's try and get people to be tolerant for different ways of living, different experiences. But we were talking on Monday during the Unout Crowd about tolerance versus acceptance and are they the same thing? And if they're not, then why not? And Leslie, you had a fabulous opinion on this and I would like if you... It doesn't have to be word for word because trying to remember it on Monday. But if I asked you, what is the difference between tolerance and acceptance or are they the same thing? I do. Um, God, I'm like, what did I say on Monday? You can tolerate that someone has blue hair, but you can't tolerate if someone says... I'm gay. I don't tolerate that. I accept that because that's who they are. You can't tolerate a person's identity. You have to accept it. And I think if you don't, you need to be asking yourself why you don't. And if you still don't get it, then keep your opinion to yourself. Maybe I did that bit. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, keep your opinion to yourself. If it's not helping, if it's not moving the conversation forward. And ultimately, people who are LGBTQ+, people who are disabled, they have a right to live. And if you say, well, I don't agree with X, Y, Z, it's not saying, well, I'm not a fan of blue hair beach to their own. It's essentially saying, well, I don't feel like you have human rights. And that's very different. And for me, the difference between tolerance and acceptance is tolerance is like me doing something in a, in a class or in, in a meeting. And then you saying to me, oh, actually, coming from a disabled perspective, that doesn't work for me. Tolerate and we go, OK, Leslie, that's lovely. And then continuing to do what I was doing anyway and not actually making the change. Whereas acceptance and understanding is going, okay, I didn't realise that. I apologise. Now what am I going to do to make sure everyone's included in what I'm doing here? Because these are things that it's not linear. You can't just all of a sudden one day be super inclusive and make sure everything is great and you never make mistakes again because that's not realistic. But what can you do to try and limit that? and make someone's discomfort as small as possible. That's the main thing for me. Like, I would rather be uncomfortable for a few minutes of having messed up and going, oh, right, I feel a little bit ignorant. I would rather me feel that than me making you feel like that for the whole day. Do you know what I mean? I think that's perfect. There is constantly going to be new things coming out and as years go on, and it is about, right, yeah, like, make your mistake. Non-binary wasn't a thing for me anyway until not there wasn't a thing it was always there but there wasn't that word for it a few years ago even yeah like make your mistake and then 
move on and you will make that mistake if you've never met someone and then that's why that all ties into a big circle of intersexuality and how we need to actually meet people and something I had said was when I was doing contemporary and ballet training I never came across anyone black and so it is really important that we all go out and if you're not around enough people that have different intersexualities then you go out and do something about it. I totally agree with what you're saying absolutely you've got to sometimes bring yourself out of your own little core group because where I grew up most of my friends were white and they were of a Christian background so that then is partially to do with location because I was from a relatively rural place in Lanarkshire but at the same time what are you going to do to listen to other people's perspectives it's easy to just go oh well I don't know anything about that and then just not bother but if you can't physically go out and meet new people then that's where things like social media really are great because you get people that are charity workers and social media influencers and motivational speakers and advocates for things like Black Lives Matter, for trans rights, for all of these different things. So you can easily follow somebody that you may not come across in your day-to-day life, but you can learn so much from them and then use that learning to back up your own learning, if that makes sense. So it's about getting that balance. Like You can't just listen to a one-sided opinion because then your opinion is going to be one-sided and it's not broad across all sections of life and you'd said the thing about not knowing about non-binary so I'll put myself in a vulnerable position and say I didn't know that autism was a disability until recently I didn't know that it was again just because I didn't have anyone who was autistic in my family and I didn't do the research and I'll be totally honest and then I, I did start to do the research and go okay I am not being fully inclusive here you've got to be uncomfortable and point out like, okay, I've, I've not been great, but I've not been a very good ally. But what am I going to do now? Yeah, that's it. I think it is really important to remember is no one's asking you to be an expert. What I love about Shaper Keeper is there is quite a lot of different diversity. No one's asking me to be an expert on LGBTQ plus issues. I'm not, but I'll listen and I'll hear from those people that identify from those voices and then I'll take my little pot of knowledge which I've learned and I share that. It's just about like knowing enough that you can understand it and share it, respect and accept people. Going off the back of that, even though I'm LGBTQ+, I'm not an expert on LGBTQ plus issues and, and topics. Even as a non-binary bisexual person, I'm still not an expert in even those things because I cannot possibly speak for a black gay women in the south of America. I don't have those those aspects of identity but what I can do is I can listen because even if you take another white bisexual non-binary person in Scotland they'll still have a different perspective than I do and that's what I personally think is a great thing. Try not feel defensive, try not feel attacked if someone is bringing up something that makes you feel uncomfortable but rather embrace that discomfort and use it as fuel to be more inclusive and be nicer (laughs) it was that's it but isn't it like just try a little harder and I think we're kind of lucky in the sense social media is so powerful and it's an option like you can sit online and you can research but no one's going to know that you're still trying to educate yourself and you're kind of not putting yourself in that discomfort but you still are at the same time you can listen 
to those voices that you don't normally listen to without your ego being deflated because you won't embarrass yourself because you're just watching a screen. Kind of use that to your advantage if you feel uncomfortable about having those conversations in person. Yeah, and sit for a few days and do that until you feel comfortable enough to then, if you want to have a conversation with someone, you already kind of know what you're going to say, you kind of know how it feels to have those difficult conversations and then if you kind of research something yourself and hear different perspectives and someone's own personal experience versus what you've just read in a book or in an article then you're a little bit more level-headed and at least if you get it wrong in private you're like okay thank goodness I didn't tell anybody about that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it might be not the most convenient way but like it's still an option <laughs> so you can kind of just learn alone and like you said then go and have the conversation yeah definitely well thank you so much for chatting to us leslie i think we got quite a lot talked about there we covered a lot of ground in just like 20 or so minutes so anyone who is listening to this if you want to do a little bit more research or do a little bit more reading on intersectionality there is some fabulous youtube links that we used for our training last week from a professor called kimberly crenshaw we really recommend looking at them because that was the resources that we used last week and they were really, really helpful. As usual, we'll be coming out with another podcast next Tuesday. Who knows what the next one's going to be? You'll just need to wait and see. But in the meantime, you can read our other blogs and keep up to date with everything that we're doing at www.shapercaper.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at ShaperCaper. And of course, we also have The Body's Instagram page, which is ShaperCaper, The Body, just as it sounds. So have a great day, afternoon, evening, whenever you're listening to this. We'll hopefully see you all soon. Bye-bye. I was going to say bye, and I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't. <laughs>